uh, this morning, we are kicking off our, our brand new Lenten sermon series. And, uh, and I know that there are a lot of us in here, a lot of us are, are like me, and, and we didn't grow up doing Lent. And so let's just take a moment and let's kind of remember what the season is all about. Um, because Lent, this is a 40-day season that, that takes us right up, right up to, to the door of Easter. Uh, since, since like the 4th century, since the 4th century, Christians have used these days, they've used this season as a season of, of preparation. Lent is a season of prayer and fasting and, and self-searching, of self-seeking, of, of self-denial. It is a season that... Um, that really confronts us. Lent is this 40-day season of confrontation. It's a season that confronts us with, with emptiness. It's a season that confronts us with the emptiness of our own souls. And it confronts us with the emptiness, with the pain and the emptiness of the cross. With the hope, with the prayer that it is doing its work to, to prepare our souls to receive the glorious good news of, of Easter's empty tomb. But simply, every year Lent reminds us why we need a Savior. And it tells us who that Savior is. In fact, one of my favorite stories from Lent, it, it, happened, it happened while I was still in seminary. Uh, one of my good friends was serving this church, she was serving a student appointment out in Weatherford. And that year, her senior pastor had put her in, char in charge of the church's Ash Wednesday service. And so on the Tuesday before she went to the church sacristy, she wanted to get everything ready, get everything set. But whenever she got there, to her horror, she, just, she, she found out, she discovered that the church was out of ashes. It's kind of an important thing to have if you're going to have an Ash Wednesday service. They didn't have any ashes. Um, and they're not just something, you know, something easy that you get. Um, typically what churches do the way you're supposed to do it, we take the palm branches from Palm Sunday and we dry them out and we burn them. That's where the ashes come from. For, for Ash Wednesday. This church, though, had either forgotten, they'd forgotten to burn their ashes, they had forgotten to buy some ashes. They just were out. They didn't have any. But my friend, she did the next best thing, she thought. She ran home and she went to her fireplace and she just dug some ashes out of there. <laughs> she took them back to the church and she mixed them up with some water. And, and that was mistake number two, because you're supposed to use oil with your ashes. You use either like olive oil or grapeseed oil. You don't use water. Um, because do you know what you get whenever you mix wood ash and water? Come on, scouts. You know what you get? Sodium hydroxide. Lie. My friend had whipped up a nice big old batch of Christian lie and then had smeared it on the faces of the congregation at Ash Wednesday. Uh, and whenever that lie started to do its thing, when it first started to tingle, and then burn and then really burn. And whenever those people ran out of the sanctuary to the bathrooms to wash it off, that water didn't do anything to help. Uh, in fact, my friend said that there were people in her church who for two weeks walked around town with the mark of the cross seared into their foreheads. <laughs> um, but isn't that the point? Isn't that the point, not just of Lent, but isn't that the point of faith? That we would be so profoundly changed, that we would be so, so indelibly marked by the cross that, that everyone around us would take notice and see. That's the blessing of these days. 
And that's what we're going to be talking about this year, the blessing. What does it mean for us to walk in? What does it mean for us to live in the blessing of the Lord, knowing, knowing that the ultimate blessing is waiting for us on Easter? And so for these next six weeks, these weeks leading up to Easter, we're really, as Pastor John said, we're really going to be doing a deep dive. We're going to be doing a deep study of what's come to be called the priestly blessing. The priestly blessing found in the sixth chapter of the book of Numbers. A lot of us I know have probably memorized these words. We just heard them sung to us. We just heard them sung over us. The priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Since the time of Moses, for well over 3,000 years, these words, these words have, have encouraged the Lord's people. They've, they've lifted them up and comforted them and called them on. With these words, God says, with these words, I literally put my name on my people, God says. Because what we're going to see over these next weeks. What we're going to see as we, we spend our weeks dealing and struggling with this, this passage, what we're going to see is that blessing, blessing does not mean what we've always been taught that it means. It's actually better. It's different, but it's better. And this morning, I want us to start off by concentrating really on those first four words. The Lord bless you. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Maybe you have a Bible app on a cell phone or a tablet with you this morning. Go ahead and turn it on. Again, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, looking at verse 8 this morning, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing a letter to the early church at Corinth. And, and this is what Paul says. Paul says, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Paul had, Paul had been taking up a love offering for the believers in Jerusalem. There had been a a famine in Judea. And so Paul was running a sort of stewardship campaign. He was running a capital campaign to, to help him out. And this right here, this chapter, this chapter was his letter. It's his campaign letter. And essentially what he's saying, he's saying, hey, Corinthians, God is the source of all of our blessings. And he pours them out on us abundantly. And I think we're all good with that. He hasn't said anything too weird. I think we can all get on board with what Paul has said thus far. But then he says something. Then he says something that, that absolutely blows up most of our, our modern day notions of what it means to be blessed. Because Paul goes on to say that, that God provides for us so that we have enough. Enough. Not a surplus, not an excess, not leftovers for comfort and ease and, and room to, to breathe to spare, no, just enough. Enough, most of the time it's just enough. And that word, that word is, is troubling. 
The word is tough. Because how much, how much is enough? Really? How much? How much is enough? It's our daily bread, Jesus would say. Not the whole loaf, just enough. Just enough, just enough because just enough keeps us dependent upon God. You see, it's the blessing of dependency. It's the blessing of neediness. It's the blessing of that, that faithful sort of, of trust that leans in, that, that knows, that, that trusts in, in, the, in, the, in the sure provision of God. It's a blessed sort of contentment that knows that God will be there. And not, and not just for the money, or the houses, or the cars, or the stuff. I mean, goodness, how shallow have we made the blessing of God out to be? Because it's, it's not just material. It's spiritual. And, and it's relational. And it's, it's emotional. Given to us, entrusted to us by, by God. Not to serve our own purposes, but God blesses us so that we might serve his. Sharing together. Sharing abundantly. Sharing abundantly. What does Paul say? Sharing abundantly in every good work. Living our lives. Spending our lives. Marked by the cross. I thought, thank you for that. And I love that line. A life marked by the cross. A life where we're aware of God's blessing that come in the everyday miracles of life. Not only in the times of triumph, but the times of challenge. Are we tuned in? Are we aware? So when we think how to do that, I want us to dive back into our scripture because I think Paul gives us some advice to help us be aware of the blessing, to be tuned in so that we can live a life marked by the cross. Three things I think he says for us. And the first is this, we need to look up. We need to look up and know that God is able to provide us with every blessing in abundance, just enough. We have a tradition in our church that I really like. We honor one of my dear friends, the late Dr. Ken Dean. Ken would do something really interesting in his ministry at St. Andrew's Methodist Church in Arlington and then at First Methodist Grapevine. Uh, the week after the Super Bowl, he would build his sermon around Super Bowl commercials. And he would illustrate that with all of these commercials. And I thought that was just so amazing. So to remember Ken's ministry, to celebrate how he blessed this world, we take a commercial from the Super Bowl every year to use it to illustrate a point we're trying to make. So here is the commercial we have chosen for this week from last week's Super Bowl. Reports of flying saucers are nothing new. These are routine sightings, not isolated events. Are you seeing that? It's spinning. There's a whole swarm of them. Oh my God. They're all against the wind. All against the wind. Look at this. That's 110, 150. There was an historic hearing today on Capitol Hill at an unprecedented 
take Broadway this always happens I love that and there is a powerful sermon in that commercial think about it those aliens are all over the place there's spaceships nobody's noticing what do they do they're looking down at their phones they're looking down at their tablets they're looking down at their laptops they are so distracted they miss all of this going on and the aliens are trying to communicate they can't reach through so finally they send them a message hello down there Look up and, and, and see who's here. I wonder how often God thinks that about us. God's trying to speak to us. God's trying to communicate to us. God's trying to help us be aware of our blessings all around us, but we're looking down. We're busy. We're distracted. We're lost in our phones. We're lost in our technology, and God is trying to get our attention, and I wonder how often God wants to say, hello down there, look up and see me. Look up and know that I'm trying to talk to you. Look up and be aware of your blessings. I love this year we've been studying the book of Genesis and in chapter 21, we see this really haunting scene. The child of the promise has reached the age of weaning. They're having a big party. And Sarah has a moment of jealousy. Her maid, Hagar's son, says something that rubs her the wrong way. And she doesn't want Hagar to think that her son is in any way going to compete with her son. And so she just they have these very awkward words. Because Sarah wants her to know that my son is the son of the blessing. My son is Abraham's favorite. So she banishes Hagar to leave their family. So Hagar is really upset, but she heads out into the wilderness. Um, and she goes and they run out of water. Hagar and Ishmael. And Ishmael is dying of thirst. And she's so upset, she thinks they're going to die there of thirst out in the desert. And so she's crying and she's weeping and she's praying and God hears her prayer and says, Hagar, I'm with you. I'm going to bless your son. I'm going to take care of you. And then I love verse 19. After this promise of God, we get this verse. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Now, I love that because that water was there all the time. She couldn't see it because she was looking down. She was looking down in her pain, looking down in her worry, looking down in her grief over being banished from the family that she loved. She was so busy looking down. And when God spoke to her, what did God say? Look up. And remember, I'm right here. Look up and know that I have promised to bless you. Look up. And when she did, her eyes were opened. And she saw the well. She realized her blessings had been there all the time. Wonder how often that's us. 
We get worried, we get distracted, we get anxious, we go through life looking down, busy, fearful, distracted, not paying attention, and God wants to say to us, hello down there, look up, and know that I'm here, look up and know I'm talking to you, look up and be aware of your blessings. Because when we look up, we open our eyes and we see that we're living in the kingdom of God. I got a beautiful moment of that last week. Last week, Debbie and I got to go down to San Antonio for a few days. It was a wonderful moment. My son, Jay, is a middle school band director and his orchestra won first place in the state of Texas. And they were invited. I know, they were just great. <laughs> Proud Papa is not through bragging yet, so I have only begun. But anyway, they played at the Texas uh, Music Educators Convention. That is a big deal in the state of Texas. So all these band directors, all these choir directors, all these musicians, and we were in the midst of them. I was scared to death. I thought they were going to catch me chewing gum, and I was still going to get in trouble. But it was amazing. And so we got there. Jay was busy with the band. So that first night there, we got to have dinner with Lauren, our daughter-in-law, and our grandkids on the river walk. Just a magical time. And then the next morning, we got up and we went to the concert. And I have to tell you, proud Papa, these kids, some of them have only been playing an instrument for a year and a half. They played the most ambitious, challenging program. It was magnificent. It was this amazing concert. They stole the show. Everything was wonderful. And Jay is some conductor. <laughs> I have to tell you, next to Jay, uh, Bruce, Leonard Bernstein, <laughs> those are kind of the top shelf conductors. And so Proud Papa was just beaming, but then my favorite part of the trip happened. They were, Jay and Lauren were staying down there for some seminars and some, some meetings and classes they were gonna go to. And we got to take the grandchildren home a day early and have a road trip back. Now, I love road trips. Pastor Todd will tell you stories, one of my favorite things. So we took the boys and we had a great time. And along the way, I hatched a game because Jack is 11, William is seven, and I've been really trying to get Jack interested into music and what he listens to, so I played a game. I said, what we're gonna do is all four of us, we're each gonna pick a time and call out a song, and we're gonna listen to music that we like. So I was fascinated. Now, Debbie and I are both children of the 70s, so we were singing songs that we liked and having fun. Jack's music, um, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it was, I've never heard anything like it before, but I actually did like it. It was really pretty good. But what was amazing about Jack, I don't know what he had. I don't know if it was Spotify, but I could call the most random songs from the 70s that I thought he, can't, he could find it. Not only could he find it, he pushed buttons and it played on our radio. Through the stereo, it was amazing. I had so much fun. We even sang the LSU fight song at the top of our lungs. We were just having a blast. But the high point, William, who is seven, um, is in a choir and they're doing a program coming up on the music of Disney. So he's gotten into Disney and he's discovered Mary Poppins. So he kept picking Mary Poppins songs over and over again. And I want to tell you, if you're having a bad day, if you're down, if you need some tonic, you need to sing. We all need to sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious at the top of our lungs with a seven-year-old and let's go fly a kite. 
It was so much fun. We had the best time listening to music, enjoying the road trip. And I got home, and I tell you, I was just kind of basking in the afterglow of those days. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I am so blessed for the people God has put in my life. I'm so blessed for you that you've allowed me to be a part of this church and to share our lives together. I am so blessed, but how often do we get busy and worried and distracted and we're looking down and God says to us, look up and open your eyes. See your blessings all around us. Look up. And then Paul says to us, look in. Look in and know that you always have enough of everything. Sometimes we chase the wrong things. We think if I, if I just had, had a little more money, if I just had a different life circumstance, if I just had different relationships, if I just could have more fun, if I could just be at a different stage or season of life, then I'd be happy, then I'd be blessed. And Paul said, no, what you most need, you already have, you are already blessed. You need to know that you have enough of everything. We have enough. And we need to look inside our hearts and realize that. Whatever season, whatever stage of life, it's enough because blessings come from people and our relationship with God. And we already have the blessing. We need to be aware. I love an old story. I've, I've had it in my files and I've shared it with you several times through the years. Uh, I'm sure many of us remember it. It's about an older gentleman who's taking his daughter to the airport. And she is at the security line. She's about to head through security and they're visiting and they're saying goodbye. And as she gets ready to leave, she said, honey, he said, remember, I love you. And remember, I wish you enough. And then she cried and they kind of had a moment together and some very intimate personal words. And then they kissed goodbye. And she headed off through security and disappeared into the crowd. And the older gentleman was standing there crying. Tears were streaming down his face. And another passenger had witnessed this moment and witnessed their conversation and came up to him and said, are, are you okay? And he said, yes, I, I'm okay. I'm just a little sad. I'm getting on up in years and I have some health issues and I never know if that's going to be the last time I see my daughter. And the person said, well, I didn't mean to be nosy, but I overheard your conversation and I heard you say, I wish you enough and I don't mean to pry, but do you mind telling me what that meant? And he got a big smile on his face and he said, There's, that's a wish that's been handed down in our family for generations. My parents used to say it to everyone. When we say, I wish you enough, we're wanting the other person to have a life filled with enough good things to sustain them. I wish you enough sun to keep your attitude bright. I wish you enough rain to appreciate the sun more. I wish you enough happiness to keep your spirit alive. I wish you enough pain so that the smallest joys in life appear much bigger. I wish you enough gain to satisfy your wanting. I wish you enough loss to appreciate all that you possess. I wish you enough hellos to get you through the final 
goodbye. And that's God's promise to us. Enough. Enough. And when we look in our hearts and know that, we will live in the blessing of God that we already have. So look up and look in. And then look around. I love what Paul says, so that we may share abundantly in every good work. Sometimes we forget where real happiness and joy comes from. You want to find happiness and joy besides singing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious with a seven-year-old. That's one place to find it. But if you want to be happy, if you want to put a bounce in your step, if you want to have this just joy that makes life worth living, we find it in ministry when we bless others, when we help others, when we share abundantly carrying on Christ's work in the world. That's where we find the good stuff of life that we're looking for. That's where we find the greatest blessing. Never forget when I was a pastor in Grandview, Texas at the Methodist church there. I was there from 1990 to 1992. And I will never forget the Christmas of 1991. That fall we had gotten a letter that there was a family that had moved to town, um, a mother and two children, and their father was in prison. And this was a charitable organization that wanted us to go buy some Christmas presents. They had a list of what the items were that the children wanted to wrap them and give it to them on behalf of their father, to anonymously give the gifts on behalf of their father who was in prison. So I shared it with the church. Everybody got so excited. They loved the idea. We bought the gifts and we wrapped them. And it was the day I was to make the delivery. And I'll never forget, Miss Faye Talbert came into the office and she said, John, here's some money. I want you to go to Walmart and I want you to buy those children some more presents. Well, I lit up. There's nothing I like doing more than that. So I went to Walmart and I was shopping, thinking everything a child their age would want. I added my own money. It was over the top. I wanted to just wow those children and came back and wrapped all the presents and I made the delivery and got to their little apartment in not a good part of town and knocked on the door, discovered their mother was not there. She was at work, but the children were. And I brought them this huge stack of presents and their eyes just lit up and there was this amazing moment of joy and I just loved that moment and I left. I kept thinking, this is so awesome. And what it made it awesome was those children had no idea who I was. They knew nothing about our church. These presents, presents were given to them from their father who was in prison. And I realized I felt so good because we had no agenda except to share the love of Jesus with someone. And I remember that forever. It's one of my favorite Christmas stories that still brightens my life. And I was thinking back, that was 32 years and some months ago. Those children have no memory of that moment. They're 40 something now. They don't remember that day. They don't remember those presents. That is long gone from them. But I remember I smile, it makes me happy, it makes me feel joy. You know why? Because I got to share abundantly in every good work of Jesus. That's where we find the blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Our blessings are not ours to keep, we share them with others. And sometimes we miss that when we give. We don't need to give with an outcome or an expectation of what our gift is gonna do. It's not the way it works. 
We, we just are blessed by God and we share that blessing with others. And when we do that, what happens when we share our blessings, we don't need to have an expectation of what's going to happen or how somebody's going to respond or what the outcome is going to be. It's not our business. It's God's business. We just bless as we have been blessed. That's why it's amazing the ministry we get to share at Wise Chapel. Uh, in two weeks, on March the 3rd, we're going to have a mission fair. And there are going to be 20-something ministries of ways that we can get involved and to serve and to, and to bless the world. But even, even more than that, there's so many ways to bless at our church. We always need teachers to teach our delightful, beautiful children in Sunday school and to teach our youth and to work with them and be sponsors on trips. And there are a thousand ways to bless others through White's Chapel. But you know the secret? The secret we need to remember, when we will carry on the abundant work of Jesus, you know who's blessed? We are. We are in ways that we will never forget. So Lent calls us to pay attention, to know that God is around us, his blessings are all around us. Look up and see, look in. And look around so we can experience the blessings that God has for each one of us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that so often we are like that commercial you're all around us, you're above us, and we're looking down. We're distracted, we're worried, we're caught up in our technology and that we don't see your blessing that is there. So Lord, help us look up and help us look in and help us know whatever season of life, whatever our circumstances, we have enough. We have just enough and you were right there providing for us. And Lord, help us look around so that we can share abundantly in your good work. Because when we do that, we understand that we are blessed to be a blessing. And when we bless others, we find that which our hearts most desire. So Lord, come to us and help us live lives marked by the cross that we might be a blessing to your world. So Lord, come to us and live in us and send us out to be your blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.